0: Good morning again. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me this morning. <clears throat> Before we get too far into this, let me just ask you to pray for me. I, I know you do, many of you do all the time, and I'm thankful for that. But it's just been an interesting time for me, I guess. Been been difficult, I guess. This past week I was so distracted it just was tough to think and pray and study and all those things had a lot of just a lot of needy people around again this past week and that's good but it's just been one of those times where I've struggled to keep my mind and my heart focused on all the things I need to get done and it's just kind of the epitome this morning because I went to print out my sermon this morning and the printer wouldn't work so so I've done my sermon but I don't have it with me so I thought that was a little bit ironic, since all week long I couldn't focus that well anyway. So, come to the time to get ready to preach, I didn't have, you know, the ability to print. And so, I just said this morning, Lord, I guess that's the way you want it. You know, sometimes it's good to to go through the struggles, and sometimes it's good to just rest in you and trust Him. So, uh, we're going to talk this morning about just the value of the gospel. You know, last week I shared really my heart because. You know, just all the struggles that that are going on at lots of different areas, you know, not just within our church, but in our world, and but for me specifically within our church and the people that I love and care for, you know, all these struggles that are going on and there's also always with me the struggle to know where God's leading us and to know how to respond to Him as a church and to be faithful as a body, you know, it's not just and... Individual thing to me personally. It's not just individual to you personally. You know, we are called by God to walk with Him as His body. And so I'm always thinking about those things and, and where God's heading us. And, and especially as we come up to our banquet next week, I always kind of spend time praying and asking God to lead us and, and what to share uh, for direction in the future. And man, last week, God just made it very clear to me that we can't forget or neglect. The most important thing as a body of Christ, and that's the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the answer to every single circumstance that we struggle with, whether it be physical needs, relationship needs, financial needs. I mean, really, the truth of the gospel about who Jesus Christ is is the answer. And yet, we We have this dilemma, it seems like to me sometimes. And I'm talking specifically about believers. Because at some level in our lives, we know that Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross really is our answer. And yet, oftentimes, for whatever reasons, whether it's just neglect of our relationship with Him, whether it's a struggle to believe and to trust, whether it's that we have fallen back into the trap of the world or whatever it is, we really struggle to to live like Christ is the answer. I mean we do. I do and you do. As a matter of fact, I've always believed and am convinced that because we live in this prosperous nation where we have literally no struggles, at least most of the time, where we have more than what we need all the time, because we live in this, what we would call blessed world, we live, we lose one of the sweetest things that God has available to us. No, excuse me the sweetest thing that God has available to us, which is this relationship with Jesus Christ, whereby in Him we have all things, and whereby we turn to Him in all circumstances. We lose it. Matter of fact, it's so lost within the culture, within the body of Christ in America today, that we really don't know what that is. We really don't know what it means to have Christ as the answer for every circumstance, because honestly, we just don't need Him. And men, as I have prayed about the direction of our church, I mean, the first thing was last week, just just making sure that no matter what we do and where we go, the purpose of this body, College Heights Baptist Church, is to share the hope of the gospel with the lost and dying world and among ourselves. As followers of Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. But man, the second one is is similar, and I'm not so sure you can do the first one without the second one. And the second one is to to value Christ Jesus. I mean to really put a value on him. Not not the head knowledge that says, Yeah, I know, I know Jesus is the Savior, but I mean a life value that says above all else. Jesus Christ is the one and only thing that I cannot live without a real sincere value. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Valuing Christ like He deserves to be and like we need Him to be. So look with me at Philippians chapter 3. We'll read verses 7 through 11. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ... the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come this morning just to to worship You. I mean, You're so worthy of our worship. There is no other God in our life. There should never be anything in our life that is of greater value to us than you, Lord. There's nothing we could give our time to that would be more important than our time we could give to you. There's nothing that we could enjoy more that would be more enjoyable than you. There's nothing in this world that satisfies, nothing apart from you. Lord, as we come to worship you, help us this morning recognize what an incredible privilege that is and just how important you are to us. I pray that as we've risen early to come together as your body. That, Father, that would be the signal of your significance to us. and That we wouldn't be coming here to wink at you or to nod at you as if to acknowledge that we should worship you only to run on to something else more important. Help us recognize, Lord God, that we'll never run past you. And Lord, as you... As we open your word, I ask that you would speak to us because we need you to. And I ask that you would call us back to that relationship with you whereby we desire you and are satisfied in you and in nothing else. Please have your way this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is one of these passages that if you've been with us for a while, I'm sure you've heard me preach on it before and yet it's hard to get past when we come to a place where we really are seeking what God wants to do, not just in our church, but in our lives. It's just one of these passages that is so profound to me and so difficult to me that we have to keep coming back to it. It's almost like it just draws us back to this truth that God has presented before us. And I mean, verse 1 of chapter 3 begins in an incredible way, It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is, is writing from prison in Rome. He's been arrested because of his faith in Jesus Christ and his service of the Lord and the preaching of the gospel. He's writing to a group of believers that he is passionate about. He loves them and they love him. They have blessed him and taken care of him. And yet, he's at this place where he doesn't even know if he's going to live. And he tells them in, in chapter one, verse twenty three, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet I remain on in the flesh, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. He doesn't even know whether he's going to live through this encounter or not, <clears throat> and he's not so sure he really wants to stay. I mean, I love that. I mean that's the way we sort of ought to live our lives, a little bit of tension, shouldn't we? the fact that we understand that to be delivered from this body is to be present with the Lord where there will be no more suffering, there will be no more sin, there will be no more of our own sin or the consequences of anybody else's sin. There will be no more limitations. It will just be deliverance. I get that. Man, I, I truly, truly long for the day that God sets me free from the body of this death that I live in seemingly every day. But Paul also understood that, man, God had him here for God's purpose. And so he was torn a little bit, but understood that to stay would be good for those around him. How incredible is that, by the way? To understand that to live today is good for those that you work with, walk with, live with. No, because you can serve them in Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? The purpose that Paul had in his life. But he says in chapter 3, rejoice in the Lord. I... To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it's a safeguard for you. And he goes on to talk about, beware the dogs or the evil workers or those who put their confidence in the flesh. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Basically, what he's saying is, you are not to rejoice in anything but Jesus Christ. But may it never be that I should boast, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which... The world has been crucified to me and I to the world, he wrote in Galatians chapter 5. May it never be that we should boast in anything except for Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. Because, listen, everything else falls short of the satisfaction of Jesus Christ. And I mean everything else. I love what he says in, in verse 3. He says, For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus And put no confidence in the flesh. He's moving toward a purpose here. He's telling them, don't rejoice in the flesh. Don't rejoice in your accomplishments. Don't rejoice in your good works. Don't rejoice in your intellect. Don't rejoice in your finances. Don't rejoice in your possessions. Don't rejoice in the things of this world. They are not worth rejoicing in. They never have been. They never will be. Man, we are the ones who worship in spirit. And we glory in Christ Jesus. I, I love the truth about this. Because it is contrary to what we've been taught. It's contrary to what we believe. It's contrary to how we live. I mean, honestly, it's pretty rare that I see someone really rejoicing in the Lord When it matters most. And the only time it matters most is when we are needy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Man, when we are needy, we ought to be shouting to the heavens about how thankful we are that we have Jesus Christ. Because the rest of the time when we don't really need God, when we aren't really hurting or we aren't really suffering or we aren't really in need of something, The rest of the time, our praise of Jesus Christ is pretty shallow and pretty cheap, which is most of the time for us. Most of the time for us, we have this empty, hollow religion, if you will, that says we know what the right things to say are, and we know what the right things to do are. We know how to sing our songs and how to be good. We can rejoice in, you know, the knowledge that we have. But I'm not talking about the easy times. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ that says we can rejoice in Him all the time because of who He is. Because of who He is being what we need Him to be in all circumstances. And think about that for a minute. Do you know Jesus Christ to the extent that because of who He is, No matter what you're going through, you can rejoice in Him? Or are you you that conditional believer? The conditional believer that says, as long as God is doing what I want Him to do, as long as God is acting the way I want Him to act, as long as God is doing in me what I want Him to do, then I'll rejoice in Him. But as soon as that changes, oh, I'm not rejoicing any longer because that's not the God I want. Are you that conditional believer? Because the truth is, is if that's your walk with Christ, then there's no satisfaction in your life. There's no such thing as satisfaction if all you do is trust in your own abilities or trust in your own flesh or trust in the things of this world. There's nothing there for you to trust in. Because that stuff's all passing away. And what God is asking and literally demanding of us and the thing that He is presenting to us as the answer to our deepest needs and as The thing that we hold up as the answer to a lost world is a Savior that satisfies, who's so valuable to us that we give up everything else for Him. That's what it says. Apostle Paul, we won't read it all, but he he says, man, if anybody had confidence in the flesh, it was me. I was... Born in the right way. I was born in the right nation. I was born of the right tribe. Man, I was so religious. I was a Pharisee. As to the law, I was perfect. I had it all going. I had everything right. I was living what the world would say was the best life. And in verse 7, he says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss For the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. He says, Man, first of all, I looked at what I had and I looked at Jesus. And all that I had had until I met Jesus Christ, I realized was just loss. He wasn't good for me. It had taken from me. He wasn't blessing me. It was killing me. He said, I looked at my life when I met Jesus Christ and I realized that I had been serving that which was a lie. I had been chasing after that which was a mist. I was chasing after the things that could not satisfy. And all the time I had worked and struggled and strived to have what I thought was best I was going further and further and further into spiritual debt and destruction. And what an incredible thought. I mean, you talked about a religious guy. He was religious. Matter of fact, if you know the Scriptures, you know that Paul met Christ in a miraculous, transforming way. And he was on the way from Jerusalem to Damascus with papers in his hand to have Christians in Damascus arrested, brought back to Jerusalem, and put on trial, either to be in prison or even killed. Because he thought he was serving God. He thought he was serving God. He thought Christianity was a farce. He thought Christ was a lie. He was arresting Christians to have them persecuted. And Christ met him on the road to Damascus in a great light. And the light spoke. Paul and his companions fell to the ground, trembling in fear. And the light spoke and it said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, who in Philippians was Paul, said, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And the light said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And from that moment on, Paul recognized something that very few of us have recognized. Though we may have walked supposedly with God for a long time, very few of us have recognized this truth. That the life that we had before Christ, and all the accomplishments, and all the accolades, and all the success, and all the things that we lived for, and often still live for now, were loss they weren't good for us the things of the world aren't good for us the things of the world typically unless lived in by the context of jesus christ rob from us and steal from us and ultimately destroy us there's no question about it there's no doubt about it man paul said first of all when i met christ i looked back at what i had and i said that was loss that's just loss for the sake of Christ. Nothing that I had was worth holding on to. Nothing that I had done was worth claiming good for. Nothing about what I was before was good for me. It was loss. And how many of you how many of you get that? It's, it's crazy to me how many believers today almost lament? Not having that life they used to have. It's almost like, man, we got saved and now God's requiring of us a changed life. And wow, man, if I follow Jesus, I'm, I'm going to miss all that good stuff. There's nothing more humbling than to go back and talk to people that knew you then. I hope anyway. Anyway. Because, man, who I was before I surrendered to Jesus Christ most certainly was not worth holding on to. Not in any way. Even though I I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of friends. and I was a pretty decent guy in the world's eyes. But I don't want it back. Do you really want it back? And then... Not only does he say the things that I had when I met Christ were lost to me, he says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, not, not only that, did I look back at what I had and said, look, that's crazy, why would I want that when I could have Jesus? But he says, now I look around me and say, all things are lost compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. All things are lost. Everything else outside of Jesus and his way and his lordship and his direction, everything else is lost to me. Man, if I'm chasing after anything other than Jesus Christ, it's bringing me down. And what a great picture today, even within the body of Christ in America today, we chase after everything else. We justify it as if God wants us to chase after the things of the world. We do. We justify it in our heads. Man, we live in America. We have access to everything that we could possibly have. It's okay to chase after all those things because God's put us here. We didn't choose to be born in America. God could have caused us to be born in Zambia or Congo or Bulgaria or Romania or China. God could have caused us to be born in a poor country. It would be easier if we were born in a poor country, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be easy not to chase after the things of the world. It's no easier in Bulgaria to chase after the things of the world than it is here. Maybe they can't grasp them, but their hearts desire many times as the things of this world. Don't justify living in a wealthy nation for chasing after the world before you chase after Jesus Christ. Man, if you get the world, what do you have? You have nothing. It's all going away. It's all going away. There's nothing you're going to take to heaven with you. You don't get to keep your big screen TV when you go to heaven. The football game isn't going to be the focus of your day of worship in heaven. You don't get to have the new car in heaven. You won't need it, number one, and it'll be a, just a cheap, fake, phony, worthless value to anybody in heaven. mean, don't think that chasing after the world is gain to you. Because to chase after the world means you're not chasing after Jesus. Do you get it? You don't get to chase after both. You don't get to spend all of your day working for yourself or for your family, or whatever excuse you use, and still spend time with Jesus. You don't get to do it. You have got to have a life that says, man, Christ is my gain. Everything about Him is gain. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus compared to the value of knowing this world is gain. He's the one I need. And honestly, if we're going to be a church that impacts our world, we can't just tell them that. We've got to live that. They've got to see us looking at Christ as if He's value to us, as if He is the most valuable one to us. We don't just get to say it with our lips. We've got to live it with our lives. And we've got to live it with our church. It's crazy to me to think that we can live for anything else and somehow... Say, Jesus is your answer. If He's not our answer, how can we hold Him forth as the world's answer? The truth is, is we can't. We can't do it. It's hypocrisy. Frontline hypocrisy. Paul says, man, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord then he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. He says, look, I saw Christ and realized what I have is loss. I see Christ and I look around me and I see that all things are loss. And then he says, I have suffered the loss of all things that I may gain Christ. Man, it's a hard question for me. It really is a hard question for me. And I know it's a hard question for you. Have you suffered the loss of all things for Christ? Or are you holding back Christ in your life that you might gain the things of this world? Listen, you need to answer that question today. God knows the answer. You probably know the answer. And yeah, man, it's that's a tough question. Have you ever prayed a prayer knowing that if God answers your prayer, you're going to go through a transformation? Have you ever prayed a prayer knowing that if God answers that prayer, you could suffer loss of all things? if you ever bowed your head and halfway through your prayer had to stop and say, Lord, wait a minute. I really mean this, Lord. I just realized it. I really mean this, Lord. And I'm scared to death to ask you to do this in my life. Have you ever asked God something whereby you better get ready? Well, if you're going to say that Jesus Christ is gain and that He is the surpassing value of your life and you want Him as the great joy of your life, if you're going to say that to God, you better get ready. as He may and He may not take you at Your Word and take everything else from you. find out if you mean what you say the apostle paul said i looked at jesus everything else was lost i look around me and i still see everything else is lost i love jesus so much that i've suffered the loss of all things that i might gain him listen that's who christ is that's who christ is that's who he is he is the pearl of great price whereby you sell all that you own and go buy the property that you might have that pearl he is the treasure the treasure the treasure that you need more than any other treasure that you could think of he is the one who is worth having Because He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's your answer. He's your hope. He's your Savior. He's your life. He's your joy. He's your victor. He is what you and I need. It is far better than anything else. Man, you know if you know me. You know I love my wife. You know. and I love her. And you know I love my children. And I hope you know I love you. And I love being here in Casper, Wyoming when it snows in early October. I love what God has done in my life. I love it. But I promise you, man, I promise you, I'd give it all up for Him. I mean that. I might struggle. I won't lie. I won't tell you I'm stronger than I am. I might struggle. But I've lived without Him. I don't want to ever do that again. I don't ever want to do that again. Why would I want to live without Christ? There is no satisfaction and there is no hope apart from Him. And Paul goes on, verse 9, he says, And that may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, man, when I gain Christ, I'm found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Not a righteousness that's based on the law. But a righteousness that's from God. Which is on the basis of faith. He says, man, I can be found in Christ Jesus acceptable to God. I once was a man who lived trying to please God with my own works. And Paul knew, and you and I know, that we will never be able to please God with our own works. Because we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But Paul says, when I found Christ, I was found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. I was found in Christ with a righteousness that comes from God. The righteousness that's acceptable to God. And it wasn't found on my own works, it was found on a basis of faith. And Paul says, man, I want Christ because when I have Christ in my life, when I trusted Him as my Lord and Savior, I found righteousness. And literally what that says is, I now have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with God. I know Him, and He knows me. I know the living God of the universe, and He knows me. And on top of that, I'm acceptable to Him. I'm acceptable to Him. He loves me. He loves me. And He's not loving me because of what I did in the past or didn't do in the past. He's not loving me based on what I do today or don't do today. He's not going to love me based on what I do tomorrow or what I don't do tomorrow. He's loving me because I believe in His Son. He loves me because of His Son. He loves me because of Jesus. Do you get it? When you have Christ, man, you're made righteous through Him. You're forgiven because of Him. You're made new because of Him. You're sealed in the Spirit because of Him. You're a new creature because of Him. And God loves you because of Him. And oh, how sweet it is when the trials come and when the heartache reigns and when the fear overwhelms, to know that because of Christ and the righteousness of Christ in us, that that love of God still flows toward us and that grace of God still exceeds everything in us and that because of Him and His righteousness, we're not alone. We don't have to fear. And we have hope. And he goes on. He says, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He says, man, not only am I found in Him righteous, but he says, I want to know Him, that I may be found in Him knowing the power of His resurrection. And I won't take long on this. But the resurrection power is the power that overcomes everything. Paul says, I want to know Him so that I can know the power of His resurrection. Man, when you chase after the world, you get to know the power of the world. The power of the world, not only does it disappoint you, but the power of the world lead you into a place that destroys you. There's no question about that. Just try it. Just watch the ones that are right now trying it. And see the power of their destruction. But if you want to know Christ above all else, that means you're going to trust Him and walk with Him His way, even when the trials come because of it. And when you walk with Him because of who He is and what His Word says, you will experience the power of the resurrection in your life. Jesus will not fail you. He cannot fail you. He will be all that you need. Any of you struggling financially? Then be faithful to God. Be faithful to God first. Do the things He calls you to do in His Word. Tithe. I know. I know the argument. I can't tithe. I don't have enough money. I'm not asking you to love the world more than you love God. I'm asking you to love Jesus more than you love the world. And I'm not asking you to tithe because College Heights needs your money. Please don't sell me that short. I'm saying to you, love Christ. Love Christ. And walk His way. Tithe. Have integrity. Don't cheat to get ahead. Don't lie to manipulate. Put yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ. And see the power of the resurrection in your life. Any of you. Broken relationships that you'd like to fix that you can't. Any of you so broken in your heart. That you don't know how to. Stand up and walk. Put your feet, put your life at the feet of Jesus Christ. And trust Him. And wait for Him. Don't look to the world. Don't run to a friend. Don't look someplace else. Look to Christ and see the power of His resurrection. Man, that resurrection power, that's the power that you and I need every day. And praise God, one of these days, we're going to be resurrected, literally. Amen. And then he says, he says, not only be found in Him, or that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, but he says, I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. Man, Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. I want to serve like Jesus served. I want to suffer... For the same things that Jesus suffered for. He was literally saying, I want to have the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, which he suffered for the kingdom of God, for the salvation of men and women. And Paul said, I want to follow him and serve him and share him. And if I have to suffer for that, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to go through what He went through. If we are going to suffer, by the way, should we not suffer for Christ? The world suffers for the world. Believers are called to suffer for Christ. He says, oh, if I can just share in those sufferings, that I might understand a little bit about what my Savior went through, that I might honor my God through what I go through. I want to know Him that much. And then he says, and I want to know, and it's crazy to me. I want to be conformed to his death. And that's that's a thought I don't know if I can wrap my mind around. What death did Jesus die? He died a sacrificial death. By the way, the Apostle Paul died a sacrificial death. He said, I want to be conformed to the likeness of His death. I want my life to be given away, literally, as an offering to the Father. An offering to the Father. And then I love the last part. It's so sweet to me. He says in verse 11, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Man, His ultimate goal was to know Christ so that, man, he could go through everything that Jesus went through so that at the end he would attain to the resurrection from the dead. Apostle Paul said, look, my Savior, He gave everything for me. Oh, He's so beautiful to me. And He's so valuable to me. That everything else in this world and everything else about me It's just loss. I don't want to know those things. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. I want to be conformed to His death. Because really what I want is I want to be resurrected. And I want to live with Him. My whole goal in life is to live for and ultimately live with my King. And is that the the goal of College Heights? I mean, as a body of Christ, is that the goal of College Heights? That ought to be our goal. That ought to be our goal as a body. Not to have comfort because we can have comfort. Not to have beautiful buildings because we like beautiful buildings. Not to... Boast about ourselves. Think highly of ourselves. That's not our goal. Our goal is Jesus Christ. To know Him. I mean to know Him. Paul wasn't just talking about a one-time thing. He wanted to know Him every day. And knowing Him, even if it meant sufferings, even if it meant being conformed to His death, it was worth it. Is Jesus valuable to you today? Is He just the one you live for? Because He's so incredible to you. And if He's not, listen, change it. Repent of that. That is not, if your life is less than that, then your life is not the life Christ called you to. Your life, God has called to love Christ supremely. Nothing else is acceptable and nothing else is worth living. Nothing else is worth living. The rest of it is loss. Pray that God would give you a heart to know Christ no matter what it costs. And then get ready. Don't get scared. Get ready for God to refine you and reshape you and remold you into that person that says, man, it's all garbage except for Jesus. And because I have Him, I have it all. Let's pray together. Father, I love You. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that your word continually holds up Christ to us as the one and only one that we need. I thank you, Lord, that you don't allow us to escape your gaze as we so often almost count you as loss and the world as gain. You see us, Lord. You see our hearts. You see our allegiances. You see our gods. You see our priorities. You know. And Lord, you don't. You don't call us to loss. You didn't save us so that we would love the world and experience the loss of the world. You saved us so that we would know you. We would experience the great power of the resurrection in our lives. You saved us so we might experience You, whether it be through sufferings or victory. You saved us that our goal might be resurrection and deliverance. Father God, please forgive us. Please forgive our sins and draw us back to Jesus. And Lord, if there is one here this morning that has never trusted You, that have never Seen the value of Christ in their life. I pray that even today you would reveal their sinfulness and brokenness and their separation from the Father because of that sin, and I pray that you draw them to place their faith in Jesus. May you give us this morning the chance to respond to you, and may we do it for your glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand as we respond to the Lord this morning. <coughs>